0: In the name of the living God and his risen Christ. Amen. Amen. From Revelation chapter 12. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. This is our text. Most of us like to watch a good fight. The bigger, the bloodier, the better. And that is why when my wife and I review the menu for Netflix on a Friday evening and she suggests yet another chick flick, my response is, now dear, how many crashing helicopters in this one? And then we watch what she wants anyway. The scene from Revelation 12 is exactly that. It appears at first glance to be part of this culture of video and film violence. We see an epic struggle between good and evil. And it takes place both on the physical and on the spiritual planes. We have these two opposing forces led by superhuman entities. The archangel Michael on the one hand and then this ancient seven-headed dragon on the other. We have these clashing armies engaged in a great, massive melee that seems to be determining the very fate of all the universe. You can almost smell the smoke rising up off the battlefield. The problem with this type of characterization of Revelation 12, however, is that it misses the most important point. In fact, the battle described here in our epistle is largely a war of words and not of weapons. And this is the only meaningful way that we can find ourselves here in this text on Michaelmas Sunday. You know his name, it is Satan, and from ancient of times he is called the deceiver, the father of lies, the accuser. That's what his name means in both Hebrew and in Greek. His greatest weapon is one of words, to accuse us before God both day and night. It is what he says which is damning and damaging. This dragon breathes out not fire, but violent lies, and accusations, and incriminations. And the place he tries to usurp in Revelation is a place of words, and of witness, and of evidence. Satan wishes to stand before the great throne room of heaven next to the Almighty himself and to hurl the slings and arrows of outrageous accusations against God's people before the Lord. When we hear talk of angels and demons, and when we heed St. Paul's important words to the effect that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of this dark world, when we hear all of this, we tend to think of physical, demonic oppression or suppression, We think of the invasion of our workplace or our homes or our bedrooms by spiritual forces that could somehow work physical havoc in our lives. And of course, by scripture, we cannot deny that any of this would take place. But it is most assuredly not the real battleground. The real battle takes place In our ears, and in our minds, and in our hearts, as the accuser says, God could never love you. You are too broken for any good. Your sins have made you beyond repair. Your past, too shameful for any good use. And then the battle ultimately takes place before God himself as Satan addresses the Almighty. See God? See who they really are? This shameful, stinking, sinful mass of humanity casts them off, aside forever. There is no hope, the accuser says. And we all, on some level, know this battle don't we? It is ultimately the battle against despair when the great accuser, Satan, names and shames us day and night. So the attack is largely of words, but then so also is the defense and ultimately the victory about words. When the accuser is thrown out of the great heavenly court, You notice in that text, it's not so much that we see the crash, we hear it. A mega voice proclaims, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the the authority of his Christ, for the accuser has been thrown down. And how is it that the scriptures say that we do overcome? It is by the blood of the Lamb, that blood which cries out on behalf and says rather to Satan, No, innocent, redeemed, child of God, reconciled to God, reconciled to each other. And we overcome by the word of their testimony. So did you get that? It is the word of their testimony. By blood and by testimony. Our confession and our witness of what Christ has done and what he has accomplished by his incarnation, death and resurrection and ascension, Christ's great authority is his great silencing of the great accuser by the great word of salvation. The battle is about words. And in his incarnation, death and resurrection and ascension, Christ, who is the Word made flesh, now has taken Satan's place in the great heavenly courtroom. And the gospel message is that now he stands there, instead of Satan, on our behalf. And by the power of his new word, it says then, about us, and to us, and to God. They are mine now. She is mine. He is forgiven. They are redeemed. They are restored. My blood speaks for them. My death covers them. Victory is their victory, and the great accuser no longer has any authority here. Now, the battle continues on earth, And we all know this. But faith says that although the accuser is alive and well in my ear and in my mind and in my heart, he has been expelled from where it really counts, from before God. And ultimately what Christ, my Savior, says about me is all that matters. Christ Jesus, the Word made flesh, speaks through his Word, the Scriptures. He speaks through his Word, the preaching. Through the Word of consolation spoken to the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And he speaks through the Word constituted in his sacraments. But in the end, it is the same Word, namely Christ himself silencing the great accuser and winning the only victory that ultimately matters. And what about all this angel business on this festival of St. Michael and all angels? If you read through the scriptures about them, their most important work actually has to do with words words which point to Christ. They speak the glad tidings. They proclaim his forgiveness. They announce his arrival and sing of his victory. Our job is simply to join them. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.